Section 69 of 93 by Victor Hugo, translated by Aline Delano. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 3, Book 6, After Victory, Struggle Begins. Chapter 1, Lontanac Taken. The Marquis had indeed descended into his tomb. They led him away. The Oubliette dungeon on the ground floor of the Tourg was forthwith reopened under Simordan's severe superintendence. A lamp was placed there, a jug of water, and a loaf of soldier's bread. A bundle of straw was flung in, and in less than a quarter of an hour from the instant when the priest's hand had seized upon him, the dungeon door closed upon Lantanac. This done, Simordan joined Govan. At that moment the clock from the distant church of Parinier struck eleven. Simordan said to Govan, I am about to summon a court-martial. You will not join it. You are a Govan as well as Lantanac. You are too nearly related to be a judge, and I do not approve of Egalité sitting in judgment upon Capet. The court-martial will consist of three judges, one officer, Captain Guéchamp, one non-commissioned officer, Sergeant Radoub, and myself who will preside. You need have no further concern in the matter. We shall be governed by the decree of the Convention. All we have to do is simply to prove the identity of the ci-devant Marquis de Lantanac. Tomorrow the court-martial, the day after tomorrow the guillotine. The Vendée is dead. Govan made no reply, and Simordan, preoccupied with the important business that lay before him, departed. He now had to appoint the hour and select the place. Like Lequinio at Granville, Tallien at Bordeaux, Chalier at Lyon, and Saint-Just at Strasbourg, he had made a practice of superintending executions in person. It was regarded as an excellent example, this supervision on the part of the judge of the executioner's work. A custom borrowed by the terror of ninety-three from the parliaments of France and the Spanish Inquisition. Govan himself was preoccupied. A cold wind blew from the forest. He left Guéchamp to give the necessary orders, went into his tent, which was in the meadow on the outskirts of the wood at the foot of the Tourg, and, taking his hooded cloak, wrapped himself in it. This cloak was trimmed with that simple galoon which, in accordance with the republican fashion, averse to decoration, designated the commander-in-chief. He began to pace up and down this bloody field where the assault was begun. There he was alone. The fire, though scarcely heated, had not yet ceased to burn. Radub was with the mother and children, almost as motherly as she herself. The bridge-castle was nearly consumed, the sappers completing the work of the flames. They dug ditches, buried the dead, cared for the wounded, demolished the retirade, and removed the dead bodies from the rooms and the staircases. The men were at work purifying the scene of carnage, sweeping away the mass of horrible filth, and setting matters in order after the battle with military rapidity. Govan took no note of all this activity. Absorbed in his own thoughts, he hardly glanced at the sentries guarding the breach, doubled by the order of Simordan. He could distinguish this breach amid the darkness, about two hundred paces from that part of the field in which he had found refuge. He saw that black opening. There the attack began three hours ago. This was the breach through which Govan had made his way into the tower. There was the ground floor with the retirade. The Marquis's dungeon door opened onto that floor. The sentries posted near the breach guarded the dungeon. While thus he gazed absently upon it, these words returned confusedly to his ears, like the tolling of a funeral knell. The court-martial tomorrow, the guillotine the day after tomorrow. The fire, which had been isolated, and upon which the sappers had dashed all the water that they could obtain, still resisted their efforts to extinguish it, and continued to shoot forth occasional jets of flame. 
Now and then was heard the cracking of the ceilings and the crashing of the stories as they fell one upon another. Then showers of sparks flew about as from a whirling torch, revealing like a flash of lightning the extreme limit of the horizon, and the shadow cast by the tour would grow to colossal size, extending to the very edge of the forest. Govan walked slowly back and forth in this shadow in front of the breach. Now and then he clasped both his hands behind his head, covered by his military hood. He was thinking. End of section 69